Hello boys and girls, welcome to Crypt Speakers. This is Sassy, and with me today I have the lovely... <laughs> Jay Tyler. Lovely, that's, <laughs> that's the first time I've been called lovely. Aw, well, uh, we're here today to talk about episode three of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, this week, the name of the episode is Dig That Cat. He is real gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, when I saw the title, uh, I had to read it several times. I literally couldn't tell, like, <laughs> what, how... what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially since uh, when I read the title, it didn't have any punctuation. So it was Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. Dig mm-hmm. That Cat, He's <laughs> Real Gone. It was, yeah. Right. Um, it's an interesting title, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> but uh before we get into the um the crux of the episode um i wanted to talk a little bit about uh some of the folks who were involved in the episode um so first of all the main character uh is played by joe pantoliano i don't know how to pronounce his name yeah joey pants you know? let's go with that joey pants. I, just, I, just, I just always go with joey pants that works for me. Uh, I didn't recognize him, but I I Googled him, and it turns out, oh, yeah, he's that guy from The Matrix. He's the guy who sells everybody out. He, he, is, um, he is routinely one of those, oh, that guy, he's so good in everything. And this, uh, this episode has a lot of issues. Joey Pants is not one of them. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's so good. Truly, truly a character actor, mm-hmm. uh, esteemed character actor. Uh, so yeah, it was really nice to see him here kind of earlier in his career. Uh, and then we have the, the writer, Terry Black, hasn't really done all that much uh, other than... Uh, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, yeah, I, I don't honestly remember much. He has like maybe eight credits in his IMDb. Wow, um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking but, at it now. It's it's pretty scant. Yeah. He, um, anything stands out to you? Um. So he'll write. So we'll we'll, we'll see him again. He wrote five episodes for this. He wrote. This is not. Uh, he so yeah so he wrote like a handful of Tales from the Crypt episodes. He he wrote a couple of the children's television show Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which was the like animated spinoff from this show, you know, <laughs> for kids. Um, he wrote th- four episodes for something called Eighteen Wheels of Justice, uh, which sounds delightful. Um, probably, honestly, this is saying quite a bit. The Probably the biggest credit that I'm seeing on here is he is the credited writer for Red Steel, which for those who don't know is not a movie, is a video game that was the, it was sort of, uh, do you remember the Nintendo Wii? Yeah. And remember how everyone who first, when they first saw the Wii controller was like, that could be a light gun. Red Steel was the game that they tried to like say, this is how you use guns in games. And it's terrible. Um, and the huh. story is about as generic as you could get because it's primarily just a, an excuse to point your Wiimote at the screen and shoot uh, dudes in the Yakuza. But also you have a sword. It's a strange game. But yeah, he was apparently the writer on that. Huh. Um, and 18 Wheels of Justice. I just want to say that again. 
Cool. So it. we'll we'll meet him again. That's something yeah. to look forward to. Mm-hmm. That's one uh, way <laughs> And then also coming off uh, the second episode, which was directed by Robert Zemeckis. This episode is directed by Richard Donner, um, which is a great director, uh, probably mostly well-known. I don't want to say mostly well-known by Superman because he has done so much more, but I don't know, maybe that is what people mostly associate with him. If you say Richard Donner to me, I immediately think, oh, the guy who directed the first Superman and kind of directed the second one. The, mm-hmm. the long history around Superman 2 being very uh, tricky. Um, yeah. He, he also directed all the Lethal Weapon movies. Mm-hmm. Or all, yeah, all, all of them. So he's he's Mr. Lethal Weapon. He's Mr. First Superman. Um, yeah. I, I mean, he, he made a bunch of stuff. He made The Omen, which is great. Um, yeah. That, that, that One of the of... greatest horror movies of all time that yes. seriously will mess you up. Mm-hmm. Apparently, no, also, if you really dig in his uh, into his IMDb, he directed a few episodes of the Banana Splits. Oh, and the original uh, 1966 Wild Wild West. Oh um, wow! So yeah, so yeah, he was looks like he was a yeah he several episodes of the Twilight Zone. He was sort of a journeyman TV director, and it looks like yeah his he's first... done a lot. So, but he did a lot of TV. So he was like he did a bunch of TV in the 60s and 70s transitioned into being a feature director and then this is what got him back into directing for tv was he did and, he, and remember he's one of the five primary producers for this show so yeah it, it also really seems like um tales from the crypt was his last tv credit mm-hmm. um after that it's been nothing but but films for him so yeah i believe richard if, uh i don't want to speak out here i believe richard donner has been in poor health for several years yeah um and so like his last credited film is 2006 and I, and I think he has been in poor health you know he has a producing credit on the x-men films um but his wife lauren Schuler donner has been the primary like producer on those movies like so he has a lot of producer credits as well mm-hmm. um but i don't know how active he has been in that for um a while there's some real gems too in the 80s i mean ladyhawk mm-hmm. the goonies scrooged yeah. Yeah, no, Richard Donner's no slouch. Like he, yeah. he definitely he I think that he doesn't he doesn't get lumped into that same like Goonies is one of those movies that everyone assumes Steven Spielberg made, but he just produced. <laughs> yeah. Um kind of like Gremlins with Joe Dante. Very very similar to Gremlins. Um, but not Gremlins 2. No one else would have made Gremlins 2 <laughs> but Joe Dante. Um but uh I think that the um I, 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 unfortunately, I, I think that it's almost as if um, Donner doesn't typically get lumped into that Spielberg Zemeckis like pantheon of like truly like formative directors of the 80s. Um, but looking over his like career, he did also make the toy, the uh, Richard Pryor pseudo slavery movie. That's a weird, weird movie. Um, but he has like throughout the eighties, his, his output was consistently um, solid. And so I don't, and like, so like, so this is 89 when he's coming out with this. So this is 
I always like to look at what what movies are they making around these episodes. So he's yeah. he's, he's so this is between Scrooge and Lethal Weapon two. Um, Scrooge, a movie that definitely has horror elements to it. Um, in the final yeah. act, I think it's interesting too um, that most people probably associate him, I guess, with Superman or Lethal Weapon. But to me, what what I think his greatest contribution is to to cinema is The Omen. Yeah, uh, and when I say that The Omen is a quintessential quintessential film. Uh, I really don't just mean quintessential horror film. I really do mean just a quintessential American film. Yeah, it's... To me, it's a must-watch. And yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's a... It's an amazing film. It's an amazing... It's one of those transitional films. It's, you know, mid-70s film that, like, sort of, like, bridging that gap between more... um, naturalistic and stylized and i think it, it it really is um if you've not seen the omen that's our suggestion for today go watch yes. the omen uh it's fantastic um and when you sit and think about the person who directed this episode of tales of the crypt also directed <laughs> the omen it's kind of mind-boggling yes it's almost like two different people yeah but yeah i think that's a great segue to get into the actual plot of the episode yeah Let's let's Great. do it. Yeah. So the episode centers around uh, this man named Ulrich, who's played by Joe Joe Pants, Joey mm. Pants, uh, and he gets the the moniker of Ulrich the Undying. Uh, in the the little intro that the Crypt Keeper provides. He he says he's just dying to put on a show, and he talks about how uh, this character's journey is that he has gotten addicted to to death, and specifically dying. Um, so then we kind of have to learn what okay, well, what's it all about? How did this happen? And we we open again on kind of this like long shot as we are being led into the circus. Very reminiscent again of episode one with the long tracking shots and very low lighting and lens flares. And uh, we're, we're taken into this tent and this uh, uh, ringmaster is talking about this upcoming show. You have to see it. Uh, I'll rig the undying and he is going to perform this feat. Uh, he's going to resurrect, and then uh, we see Ulrich get into a coffin, and then he, in this amazing shot, kind of uh, sort of like bird's eye view, zoom in on his face with him in the coffin, and all you can see is his face and the purple of the sort of um, padding of the coffin surrounding him, and he looks straight at you, and starts talking about how he got here. It's almost like, hold on, record scratch. Right. It's, Let it's, me tell you how we got here. It's really interesting. I kind of want to start taking account. So this is so the first episode, um, the man who was death, and this episode have our main characters like sort of telling us the story, like they like yeah. look dead down the camera and they're talking. Um, all through the house did not have that, and so I'm kind of curious, like which one is more the norm. 
for the series going forward because like this one yeah. definitely like like it it's all told through flashback like we're definitely in media stress as we come in to the beginning and then we see how um Ulrich got to this point and i'm curious to see how common that is but yeah like he he definitely like sets the tone of like being buried and like saying like it's definitely one of those like i bet you're wondering how i got here yeah sort of sets up setups yep um and so after that uh he starts telling us his story and um we i guess go back in time to a time when ulrich was sleeping uh out in an alley until this guy just out of nowhere kind of mad scientist looking dude uh, comes up to him and tries to wake him up and he says hey kid how would you like to be rich uh and in my notes i i made a note that this this doctor guy <laughs> looks like a poor man's peter weller sure <laughs> so, yeah, I can that. uh but i'm gonna and i honestly couldn't remember uh his name throughout the episode so i'm just gonna call him doc yeah. or peter weller yeah, Doctor Manfred, I think is his is his actual name, but yeah, we can we can go with with Peter Weller, Robodoc. Yeah. So then he brings him into his uh, his mad scientist lab, mm-hmm. and he starts showing him his experiments, which involve cats, and right. he has some cat scans of the cats, <laughs> uh, and he says, "Well, you know, here are my experiments, and." Essentially, what he's saying is that he has figured out a way to transfer a cat's nine lives into a human by transferring a quote-unquote gland and putting it into his brain. Right. There is no mention of of what gland it is, though. It's just a gland. Yeah, it takes a gland. And he basically, yeah, he has this, like, experiment where he wants to, like, do this gland transfer, put the cat gland in the person. I do love that they kind of skip over, like, well, everyone knows that cats have nine lives. It's like, that's not actually a biological fact. Like, we have to, like, establish that that's a thing. Like, it, it sort of, like, just, like, brushes over that. It's like, well, everyone, as everyone knows, cats literally have nine lives. Why, well, yes, of course. Yeah, you know, when they go to the heavy side lair, um, <laughs> they, uh, Ceci, you knew I had to make a cat's reference while of we were course. watching this episode. Um, they... But yeah, like, I just love that, that it's just like, well, as we all know, cats have nine lives, literally. And so what if people could have nine lives? And so I've come up with this experiment where we, yeah, give you this gland. They really say the word gland a lot in this episode. I actually went back to make sure that I didn't miss if they gave some sort of scientific explanation, like the whatever gland, because as you know, it you know produces blah, blah, blah. Like, no, there is absolutely no explanation no. given here. It's just a gland. Right. from that cat yeah it's just this this hunch that he has that if you transfer this gland this, the reason why cats biologically have nine lives is because of this gland they have and if he transfers the gland to people it's a one-to-one like matches and like people would have the same ability to to and i yeah. guess like we'll, we'll get into the count later but like if you have nine lives does that mean you can die nine times or does that mean you can die eight times Yep, so then the um, he, I guess, convinces the guy to have right. the procedure done, and he extracts the gland from the cat, mm-hmm. uh, which we then see a poor little, little cat body. Yeah, dead cat. Kind of, yeah, very but, sad. But, yeah, trigger warning, and, dead cat in this episode. Yeah, and um, 
And the guy wakes up and he's like, what happened? Um, he's very confused, but Peter Weller explains that he came back to life. Uh, and then the guy says, oh, but how do I know I have nine lives? Uh, and Peter Weller just says, well, just one way to find out. And he shoots him. <laughs> um, and then after that, he wakes up again uh, and sort of still kind of in shock. But then the guy is just like gives him a bunch of money uh, and says, hey, you know, here's what I owe you. But how would you like to make more money? Um, and the guy's a little confused, uh, but still kind of very, looks to be very, uh, enthralled by all the money that this, uh, Peter Weller guy is giving him. Mm. And he says, look, uh, we can maybe make some more money if we use this talent of yours. Uh, which I think is really interesting that he refers to this thing as his, his talent. Mm. Um, because theoretically, since it worked, he could give it to anybody. So, so it's a really a talent. Uh, and then also <laughs> he could have given it to himself. He could have maybe created legions of people that have this so-called talent. Mm -hmm. uh, but he decides to just um, work specifically uh, with Ulrich uh, and try to put on a performance. So the next thing we see is Peter Weller uh, talking to the ringmaster that we saw earlier in the episode. Uh, and trying to convince him um, to perhaps have them join the circus as a show. Uh, but he specifically requests a limited number of performances because uh, you know, this guy is not going to be able to do this forever um, because he is actually dying and coming back to life. Right. Uh, they, don't, they don't get it. They, they don't go into the whole like cat explanation, but they basically say like, this is not a trick. He is actually dying and coming back to life. But he can only and, do it so many times. Yeah, and the ringmaster's like, okay, works for me. Uh, and I, I love his quote. He says, he dies. Okay, uh, my freaks need a new shoe. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I love that okay. line. Like, a shoe. Yep. <laughs> they all share a shoe. Right. <laughs> I'm glad that um, that line stuck out to you, too, because I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, honestly, probably shoe. the best line in the entire episode. <laughs> I had to rewind it to hear it again because I was like, did I hear that right? <laughs> ah, new shoe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then after that, they uh, are welcomed into the circus and they do the first show. And this is when I try to start keeping track of how many times um, Peter Weller had uh, died and come back to life. So by my count, by the time that he's doing this show, uh, this is number three. Okay. So uh, they do this show and they decide to kill Ulrich by drowning him in a clear uh, tank and have everybody watch. And then mm. they would drain the tank. Oh, first of all, they're going to keep him in there for an hour just to make sure, you know, so that you know he's really dead. Uh, and then uh, after the hour, drain the tank and then he would come back to life. Well, they do all of that. They drain the tank. And then he's just not coming back to life again. Right. And people are just kind of thinking like, oh, I guess we were swindled. This is just, you know, you just done murdered a guy. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't believe you I, did I, this. I, I really want to, because like, this is like, so we'll, this will come up over and over again. Um, and this is kind of the point of the episode to a certain degree. Um, 
these people are real nonchalant about having seen a murder. Like, they're bummed that he didn't get resurrected, but they're not all that bothered by the fact that, like, we just all saw a guy die. He didn't get resurrected? What a ripoff. And they just all kind of, like, file out <laughs> yeah. sadly. Not like, oh my god, we just saw, like, like, a ma- like, a guy die. Yeah, yeah, we just saw a guy die. Like, no one's affected in that way. It's all just bummed that they didn't see someone get resurrected. Well, actually, this is also a really interesting thread from the first episode, which mm-hmm. is when Miles, what's his name, Miles? Niles? N- Niles Talbot. Yes. Uh, he says that, you know, if they had executions on TV, it'd be the highest rated show. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's still kind of a very similar thread of, like, that voyeurism. Well, and it's 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 sort of this, like, self-reflective thing of, like, it's this show that's whole premise is look at this like nasty like extreme horror tv show like not extreme by the standards of most horror at this point but definitely like extreme for like the kind of horror that you were seeing on television and so like it's sort of this like hey you've come you've come for some real gross shit and then the show itself just kind of it's quite critical of people who show up to watch that gross shit Right, exactly. Like the whole <laughs> the whole point of it is like you monsters. Why are you coming to see this guy yeah. die over and over again? Yep. And yeah. one thing that I forgot to mention that happened here is as as the uh, water tank is being filled, there's this uh, sort of magician's assistant type of type of gal who mm. who's, asks him out on a date who, who takes right it like an as, Ulrich as he's being drowned yes and she like writes with lipstick on the tank like dinner tonight and yeah. i guess they you know they try to um make some plans after mm. you know after your death after you come back to life we'll go to right. dinner yeah, uh, so yeah, after uh, after all that happens, uh, they drain the tank. He's not coming back to life. People are kind of bummed about it and kind of leave the tent because uh, mm-hmm. they feel like, okay, well, this guy's dead. There's nothing else to see here. Uh, and then he finally uh, comes back to life. Unfortunately, there was nobody in the tent audience-wise. It was just uh, Peter Weller, the uh, the girl, and I believe the ringmaster, and they kind of have to call people back to come and see, which yeah. I think is interesting that after after that, people just took them by their word that there were mm-hmm. no shenanigans and that yeah. he truly he truly did come back to life. Um, this is also where the editing of this episode goes bananas. I don't know if you noticed this, but like when um, the Barker is like trying to get everybody else back in, it edits on top of each other two takes of the exact same moment. Yeah. And, like, it does this a lot from this point on, where it's, like, they'll have moments where they just, like, you'll see one take of it, and then it'll just, like, cut, or not even, like, I guess it's a, considered a cut, but then it'll just, like, show the another take of the exact same moment. And it's, like, this weirdly disconcerting moment. There's, I think there's, like, a slight fisheye lens on it at this point. Like, it's just really disorienting and kind of unpleasant. Yeah. Um... So anyway, they get ten thousand dollars and they mm-hmm. split it uh, between Ulrich and the doc. Yep. Uh, and then after that, Ulrich says, "Well, I gotta go on a date." Um, yeah. So and that's that. Uh, so then we move on to um, what I'm calling number four, uh, fourth life, um, and this is or the fourth death. Um, so in this time, he's gonna get. Uh, this time, he's gonna get. Um, 
hanged uh, mm-hmm. by the assistant. She's really refusing to do it. Um, she really doesn't want to. Um, and uh, yeah, he he tries to to do that. Um, and I think he kind of has to hang himself there because the girl is kind of reluctant. Yeah. I couldn't really tell from that from the angle. Yeah, I think um, he, he eventually just kind of like kicks it himself and hangs himself. Yeah, and then so yeah, he he dies, comes back to life, and then after that, you know, once again he gets the money. But at this point, he's like, you know what? I don't really want to split the profits anymore. So he figures that he's gonna take uh, the dock out for a nice drive. Um, and then as he's driving, he speeds up and then he says, well, uh, essentially he says, well, this is it for you. I'm just going to drive into a wall and kill you. So I don't have to split, uh, the money anymore. Uh, so, and that's exactly what he does. Uh, so then, uh, Peter Weller dies, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and Ulrich comes back to life and this is, uh, number five, uh, it's interesting, though, because he says he has six lives left at that point, but doesn't quite add up to right. what we're seeing. Yeah, again, um, the, the, the math on, like, wait, can you die nine times, or are you, like, can you die eight times? Like, the, the math kind of gets a little muddy at this point. Yeah, and especially since, you know, if you that's when I started to really count. So if by the count... When he gets hanged, that's number four. But he says he has six lives left. That would be ten. Right. So I was like, uh, do you, was this a, a goof? Yeah. Or I think, you know, I think they are implying that he doesn't really know right. how many lives he has left after all. Yeah. Um, And then, so after that, you know, he gets rid of the dock. And then the next uh, death uh, is going to be electrocution. Mm-hmm. And shocking, isn't it? Yeah. I just yeah, love all the a, puns. There's a lot there's a lot of Crypt Keeper style puns like scattered yes. in the episode itself here, which we've not really seen before. Yeah, and then in this one, uh he gets electrocuted, but he takes a long time to come back to life. And this is where we learn that some resurrections just take longer than others because right. essentially they really do think he's not coming back. He goes all the way to the morgue uh, and they're mm-hmm. about to do the autopsy where uh, when the girl shows up to try to say, hey, no, he really is coming back to life. And right. the the mortician is like, hey, he was pretty dead to me. Uh, but then he finally does come back. So the it act- looks... To have the acting by the hours. mortician on when he like pops up is so good. Like he just <laughs> flips out because he's like, ah, that, that, that yeah, was a, I would definitely be freaked moment. out too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, after this, um, they decide to do another one. And this is uh, number seven. Um, they try to have him essentially kind of be a, like kind of like a target practice setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have people shoot arrows at him and they charge a thousand dollars per arrow. Um, I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> the whole, like uh, the whole dialogue between uh, the ringmaster who is selling the arrows. Uh, people come up to him and they're like, Hey, do you take credit cards? Do you take personal checks? Uh, and they're like, yeah, absolutely. We take it all. Um, so, yeah, he says, you know, what's a thousand dollars when you get to kill a real human being? 
mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was kind of interesting and gross. No, at this point, it's definitely leaning into the 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 sideshow sort of like mm-hmm. morbidity of like murder as entertainment. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, and then I also thought it was interesting. Uh, one of the people who come up to attempt to shoot. Uh, includes a father and son uh, team, which the ringmaster thought was really cute. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, next up we have father and son. Uh, but the son is very re- reluctant to shoot uh, the guy. Um, so then the father says, come on, son, I've been killing people my whole life. It's your turn now. Uh, but then the uh, the kid, we don't know if he misses on purpose or not, but he misses. Right. Um, and then after that, uh, someone else comes up and shoots him, uh, and he dies. And that's number seven. Uh, and then at that point, uh, police shows up again to retrieve the body. Uh, but the girl says, no, 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 uh, we have a special arrangement. So it, it they kind of make it um, sort of known that perhaps after the last episode where uh, he took a while to resurrect and went all the way to the morgue. It sounds like they have worked something out, but this police officer doesn't know. Um, so she says, we have this special arrangement. And he says, I don't care. Uh, so then the girl says, well, here's some money uh, and tries to bribe the police officer to let them, I guess, keep the body. Uh, and he says, well, that's more money than I make in a year. Mm-hmm. And she just says, you're welcome. uh and so yeah apparently they're making a lot of money off of this show to where they can afford such briberies uh so then after that the police officers okay well um should i help you move the body (laughs) Uh, and that whole exchange was really great it was just like very deadpan um and just kind (laughs) of hilarious and um so yeah after that um Ulrich comes back to life finally uh, and it looks like it's taking longer and longer now for him to come back to life <laughs> and so we kind of cut back to a scene of him with his the, this girl that has been helping him that asked him out to dinner since the first time uh, it, it looks like they've been kind of dating now for a while uh, so they're in his looks like dressing room and he says this dying shit's taking years off of my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it looks like he's kind of, kind of done uh, with this, uh, or getting there. Um, well, I mean, he also is. I mean, he's also been kind of like, yeah, I only got so many more of these I can do. Yeah. And so he's kind of like hedging his bets, and like they're making plans to run off and like go on vacation with the money that they've earned. Oh yeah, this is a a really interesting thing too. He's he, he talks about. Uh, Roman Polanski wants to do a film of my life story. Yeah, yeah. All of them. <laughs> yeah, that's a little unnerving. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it looks like he's gaining a lot of popularity, uh, making a lot of money. Uh, the ringmaster comes in, knocks on the door to give them their money, uh, and he says something about HBO. Yeah, he they, they got they got it. some they got a pay. He says they have a payola check from HBO, which 
doesn't make <laughs> sense. Like, I don't know what Payola HBO was yeah, giving them. Yeah, I was them. very confused by that. Um, Unless the idea was supposed to be that, like, he was supposed to have an upcoming special with HBO, and this was, like, an advance for that or something. But no, like, that, kind of what we were talking about earlier, that ties directly into, that's Richard Donner basically looking into the camera and saying, like, you sickos. Like, yeah. <laughs> just kind of, like, saying, like, this is what you think, this is what you want for entertainment. Is this, all right, I guess this is what you want. But also, um, like, he clearly relishes, like, this episode is, I cannot stress how weird the editing on this episode is. Um, we talked last episode about how Zemeckis has these long sort of, like, establishing shots that allow things to be going on in the background and whatnot. This episode, I would bet that the average amount of a shot is about a half second for this thing. Like, it's edited like a MTV, you know, music video from two like years ago. Like an episode ago. of Monday Night Raw. Right, exactly, like a Monday Night Raw episode where you don't ever get your feet underneath you. There are star wipes. Like, it's just it's just kinetic and exhausting. This episode's exhausting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I guess the girl was also getting exhausted by this guy. Right. Uh, so, segue. Uh, and then she decides to stab Ulrich, uh, and she runs away with the money. Uh, and this makes it number eight. Yes. Um, so she essentially kind of takes takes a life and leaves Ulrich with just one mm -hmm. and takes the money and runs. Uh, so after this, Ulrich says, well, if I have one more left, uh, I really want to make this one count and make this one be the one that's going to help me retire. Um, so he convinces the the ringmaster to... Give him a hundred percent of the profits. Essentially, blacks blackmails him into it, and he says like, "Oh well, hey, you know what? Before, for me, you were nothing, and you know how would you like it if your top star just walked out?" Um, which I think is interesting to for him to say that because he only has one more show left. So if he walked out now, I don't think the ringmaster would lose. Literally, the ringmaster has nothing to lose there since right. Ulrich no, would be taking 100% of the profits anyway. It's a very strange um, argument that he's making. He's basically saying, like, you owe me because I made this carnival into something. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, if if he's, if this is his last stunt, he's basically saying, like, you know, if you don't do it for me, I'll walk and do it for somebody else. But it's like, yeah. but. Uh, he's not seeing any of that money, though. Right. He's not getting any of that money back. Like, all it is is reputation at this point. Yeah, and so, and it's, so... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, there's no reason why the ringmaster would go along with it, but he, but, he, but he basically just says, oh, whatever. Like, he he he's sort of kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place of, like, he has no leverage on Ulrich. Like, he has nothing that, like, will hold, that he can hold over Ulrich. And so it's just like, well, let's just do this one and, like, I'll get people in and then maybe I can, like, go off the momentum of that. And it's better to do that than allow him to go do yeah. this final trick somewhere else. Um, so then after that, the, the ringmaster says, how do you live with yourself? Uh, and then Ulrich just says, I don't. Right. Yeah. Wow. Again, very, very punny. Yeah. So, um, so after that, uh, we're finally back to where we were at the beginning of the episode, uh, where, uh, Ulrich was in the coffin. And I guess for this, for this final show, he's getting, uh, buried alive, um, 
which I think is, this one's an interesting one because it makes it hard to prove that he died and resurrected if he's going to get buried alive. Put, right, like, you know like what I mean? Because you don't yeah. see either of the, those two things. Mm-hmm. And then, assumedly, it would take a long time, too. Um, right. I don't know how long you would be buried alive before, like, like you would, like, necessarily die of starvation. Yeah. Um, but it's not. So, yeah, quick. it's kind of a weird one. Yeah. So at this point, he's in the coffin and they are putting him in the ground as he realizes, and I also realize that I've been miscounting the entire time. He he remembers, he says, oh, and, and to think that this was all because of that doc and the cat. Wait, the cat died. That's a life. It doesn't reset. It doesn't give you nine, as you were saying earlier. So if that that counts so he's not really at eight if we have been counting and kind of miscounting through the episode um he's not at eight he really is at nine so he is out of lives right so this is yeah this is gonna be it and yeah there's there's no way out of it for him at this point yeah and he tries to he's screaming uh and uh the the people that are digging his grave kind of hear something and they're like did you hear something and they're yeah. like oh, i think it's just a cat mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I i will say like this is our first super twisty ending that we've gotten so far and i, I think it works i think it like you said like it, it, it it's definitely that moment of like because i i will admit to it i was not counting i kind of had faith on the show itself to keep track mm-hmm. of how many deaths were going on so, like, when it says, I've got one left, I'm like, okay, he's got one left. And then, like, he has this realization of, like, oh, the cat died. That would count towards the gland count. Again, very biologically sound. Yeah. And so now I I don't, because that one counts as a, as a death, mm-hmm. I don't have any more in the tank. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's a very, it, as, <laughs> as much as I enjoyed the entirety of, um, all through the house up until the final moments, I was, uh, nauseous by this episode. And I think that it lands the ending really well. Um, yeah. But that, yeah. I think it, it lands its twist. Well, I'll, I'll say that. I think yes, it, 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 it sells does. its twist. I agree. Especially since, like I said, if you, I started counting, uh, when, um, let me look back at my notes to see if I can see when I started counting. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I started counting on number three, knowing that something like this was going to happen. Um, so then after that, that's when I started keeping track. And honestly, like, the the episode does a good enough job to distract you from that, that even if you do start counting, um you might get a little swept up in the so you start counting by the human deaths and you completely forget about that first death which was the cat exactly um, i'm sure there's some very smart people out there who started you know counting from the very beginning uh but i think i don't know i think i started counting from oh, okay well you know he dies once and then they kill them twice and then he does the first show like you start thinking from the person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, I think it does a really good job of fooling you, even if you do try to keep count. Uh, so I thought that was a a nice um, sort of like realization because I also realized it pretty much at the same time that the character did. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's really well timed, and I think it's it's my favorite kind of twist. Like I I have very mixed feelings about twist endings and twists and stories and whatnot, but it's the kind of twist where it's like, oh right. Like where, where it's not necessarily like there's no hidden information. There's nothing that you didn't see. It's yeah. almost like a magic trick, like which kind of ties into these type of act he's doing where it's like, and here's a thing that you forgot about from the very beginning uh, or you didn't like register as being significant. Um, and now that we're like reviewing, that's like, oh, right. That would. Well, and then also alive. we were not told the rules. Right, we so were told does, the rules at the beginning, yeah, but the, yes. the, he realizes, like, oh, that would have counted, right? Yeah, especially since the doctor specifically said, you have nine lives. So right. it's almost like, oh, okay, so I guess, does it reset? And then mm-hmm. you kind of realize, no, it doesn't make sense for it to reset. Right. Um, so yeah, after after that is done, uh, we go back to the Crypt Keeper, where he has some really choice puns. Uh, so he says... Dying for dollars could have been a great game show right between Wheel of Misfortune and the Newly Dead game. <laughs> as long as it doesn't get buried in the wrong time slot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good one, too. It was great. Yeah. I thought I, the puns I, in this episode were great. Yeah. Well, and I love that they're, it's it's one of those things where they're both they're both um, spooky puns, but they're also show like that last one is like fully like just a showbiz joke. Like, yes. Like this is you could clearly tell this is made by a bunch of like veteran show people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess we can move into the uh, the rating of the show. Do you want to uh, take the lead on that? Sure. Uh, just to go over our system again, uh, we decide if we think this episode is a keeper, an all-time classic that everyone should see. A thinker, something you're kind of iffy on, but you can see some pros and some cons in. Or is this a stinker, one that's uh, best forgotten? Uh, Ceci, why don't you go first this time? Sure. Uh, honestly, I think for me, this one is maybe a thinker. I... Um... Yeah, I wasn't too uh, too much of a fan of the of the style, the aesthetic of this one. Again, just not a big fan of the weird lighting and angles. It just makes it feel very like nineties. It makes it feel very dated in a way that uh, the Robert Zemeckis episode, episode two, didn't feel. Um, so I'm just I'm not a super fan of, of the overly stylized uh, aesthetic. Um, I guess. I can, if it works for the episode, it works. But for me, this one, uh, it just didn't really do it for me. And the story, while interesting uh, and definitely engaging enough to where I was counting uh, the 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 deaths in the episode, um, I just it it left me kind of thinking again, like, okay, so so what? Okay, I yeah. guess he died. Like. Mm. I don't, I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was missing something for me there. Um, and like, yeah, so far all the endings just kind of leave me feeling like, okay, well, I just, that was the thing I just watched. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I might enjoy it while I'm watching it, but then at the end, like, just 
it yeah it doesn't really leave me feeling with something it, it, that I'm. it like, doesn't stick to your bones yeah yeah um yeah i think that for me <laughs> uh richard donner is, is an incredibly gifted director who made lots of wonderful films um we already talked about how the omen is like a stone cold classic like untouchable um i this is a episode that the editing and directing choices for it truly upset me (laughs) and i I can't and it's and it's beyond just like like i I, i'm okay with stylized like i was much more a fan of um walter hill's work in the first episode than you were like i i can deal with stylized i think it fits for this genre and i think some of the shots that he uses here like if you're looking at stills of this episode i think it's very striking because he's definitely like leaning into the like horror show the like uh freak show aspect and like this whole um carnival like the sort of how disorienting carnivals are you know mm-hmm. that's sort of how where we start is this weirdly edited like entry into the carnival into the circus and we and it's just kind of like this like mud show um chintzy sketchy world and i think that that's a really interesting place to go in i think um I really like most of the performances in this episode. Like, I think the script is, is well constructed. It, it has an ending that I think it earns, but just the way it's put together, like it is fully a substance versus style thing for me. And it keeps it at a thinker. I don't think it's, it's a stinker. Like, I think it's too, it's, it's doing too many things that I think are interesting for me to go full stinker. Um, and Joey Pants is too good in it for me to really like hate it, and it's an episode that I think is in- interesting in a lot of different ways. Um, but I just wish it had a more. I wish that Donner had taken a more stable handle on it, and I think it's because like you know, um, slight peek behind the curtain. We watched this and the last episode back, sort of back to back for this. We're recording these back to back, and I think that there was a bit of a whiplash going from the steady style of Zemeckis to this, this version of Donner. And this is not even like how I would, you know, recognize his typical style. I think he's experimenting a bit, which I guess is cool, but I just found it really off-putting. Like it's just, there's just so many in it. And there are these cheesy wipes that he does. We didn't talk about when there's the car crash, when he crashes the car with um, the doctor with him, it does this transfer that's just straight like you know window movie effects of like the screen shattering and it cutting back to him in the coffin and it's like <laughs> boy that's corny yeah and like i get those tales from the crypt like corniness is, is someone in its dna but it was just a, a a laughably over-the-top editing choice that i'm like just write it in richard like please just just give it to me straight i don't i this is distracting from yeah overall. honestly to me one thing that bothered me is that some of the shots were just really oddly composed yeah like they, they feel slapdash in a way um that i think again i think is intentional but again I'm, yeah I'm and looking, especially i'm looking at stills the... right now and it looks great in stills and in motion <laughs> it's really unsettling yeah like a lot of the um a lot of the scenes that happen around the circus tent feel weird because you just essentially have like a white background and people mm-hmm. talking and it just feels 
it feels kind of cheap. Right. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I think it's, 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 he's going for something and I don't think it fully works. Um, but there's a lot I like in this episode. And, but at and least it, he had fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely had fun. <laughs> and I think that that's that, if nothing else, I, you know, I said at the beginning, this is for fun times only. And Richard Donner was definitely having some fun times. Yeah. So. Great. Uh, so I think it might be interesting to get into the fan casting segment. Yeah, casting the crypt. Let's do it. Did you have any that you felt really strongly about? Absolutely. Uh, I thought uh, Charlie Day would be a great Ulrich. Mm, That would be good. That would be good. That's Uh, much better than anyone I had thought of. (laughs) The the first time that I saw uh, Joey uh, Pantleano's face... (laughs) He kind of, uh, he looks completely different nowadays, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back then, he kind of looks like uh, Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Uh, no, he's, but I he's, didn't he's, really he's... think, I really didn't think he would be a good choice um, for for this type sure. of role. So I immediately went in, uh, to Charlie Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only only person I had thought of um, for that role, and it's, and this is just from smarminess, um, was uh, a Ryan Reynolds. I could see having having a take on this character, um, but yeah, no, Charlie Day is spot on. That that's a great angle for it to go because you both you get like that. Um, there is a a mixture of weird smugness and also anxiety that Charlie yes. Day I think brings to things. I think really would work for this. Uh, and then obviously Peter Weller. <laughs> Yes. I, I want to emphasize again for our listeners, Peter Weller is not it's in not this episode. In, yeah, no. But seriously, the guy that plays the, the mad scientist <laughs> doctor absolutely looks like Peter Weller to the point where I had to look it up. I was like, I don't, I didn't think I saw him in the credits, but let me make sure that he's not in this episode because I think this guy really looks like him. Sure. Um, my <laughs> my take for the doctor that, uh, again, this is kind of getting a little typecasty. Uh, do the accent and whatnot. I thought Christoph Waltz would be really good in that role. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, I that, can that, see that. That's that, that, that sort of where my brain went more. Um, the last one I I wanted to do, and I this is something that I, the moment this character showed up, like because I I knew we were doing the segment in my mind. I was like, if I were casting this thing, this is what I would do for the Barker for the the Ringmaster person. My, I think Danny McBride would kill in a role like that. Yeah. Um, I th- Absolutely. Just, just being big, but then like behind the scenes, kind of like losing his shit, like sort of like between these two realities of like the show and then the real person behind the camera. Yeah. So. And resurrect. <laughs> and <laughs> resurrect. <laughs> yeah. Like all that stuff. I think he would really play really uh acutely yeah and you know one last thing that i did want to touch on uh if we're talking a little bit about uh recommendations kind of based on the episode Mm -hmm. um (laughs) as soon as he got in the tank um and this whole idea of like dying over and over again really reminded me of the prestige especially since this takes place in like a circus as part of like yeah. a show, yeah, I can um, see 
yeah so it just really reminded me of the prestige and it kind of reminded me that i need to do a rewatch of that so mm-hmm. i'm gonna say that if you haven't watched the prestige you really need to but also if you have watched the prestige may i recommend that you read the book the prestige mm. which to be honest the movie the prestige is one of those rare cases where the movie is much better than the book but the book is still very much worth a read because um to me the ending of the book is much more haunting than the ending of the movie uh, so to me is is worth a read just for that okay um, so you have a couple movie uh, suggestions this episode and a uh, book club suggestion this yeah. episode. Um, well, awesome. Yeah, uh, I think uh, that'll do it for us this week. I want to thank Molly Fancher for our intro and outro song, Mr. N. You can find them on Bandcamp. Uh, make sure to tell your friends about us. Make sure to uh, rate and review us on your podcasting app of choice. Get the word out. Um, the best way to you know, ensure that we keep doing this thing is to uh, tell folks. So um, other than that, you can follow us on Twitter at Crip Speakers. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JayTheCakeThief. And you can follow me on Twitter at SussyKorea. All right. Uh, And uh, until next time, uh, kitties, uh, have a good one. Resurrect! (laughs) Nice.